Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day, evening, weekend, whatever it is you're sitting down to listen to this. Now, Forbidden Door 2 is right around the corner. I am very stoked for it. And fair warning, uh, we are recording this one day after the Dynamite following Double or Nothing. So nothing has been announced Dominion hasn't even happened, so I'm sure everything will have changed. The landscape will be different when this does air. But just wanted to give you a heads up before, you know, like, you know, you listen to this and you're thinking like, oh, but, you know, this already happened. Well, we recorded it before, so you're going to have to deal with it. I, you know, I was thinking like, who do I have on to, you know, do a prediction show? And there was only one person I could have, and that was my guest from last year to take a look at Forbidden Door 2. Justin Morris said, Justin, how's it going? Oh, wonderful, Blair. Happy to be back here. Happy to make uh, something of a tradition out of fantasy booking Forbidden Door with you on an annual basis. And this one is extra exciting for me uh, because unlike last year, I am actually going to be there in person to watch the show Mm -hmm. myself. Uh, I got a flight book for Toronto coming up uh, later in the month. Very much looking forward to this one quite a lot uh, but I do not envy the task that Tony Khan has ahead of him right now. And I guess alongside Gato, or I don't know how they do this. They probably book it together. But like, as we are going to discuss over the course of the next hour, this was an enormously difficult show, yes. even to fantasy book. Because, and I think we ran into this problem last year too, you just feel like you're leaving so much talent on the sidelines. And I think that's probably something that uh, is plaguing Tony Khan on a regular basis, even in his own AEW shows. But when mm-hmm. you throw in an entire additional roster of New Japan talent, it, it becomes really hard uh, to find a spot for everybody that you feel should be on this show. Which is funny because you go back and you look at last year's Forbidden Door in Chicago. And I look, I know there were all kinds of injuries that befell the build to that show. The, the, the card that they wanted to have and the card that they were ultimately able to put together uh, are not anywhere close to being the same. Uh, but there's some real crap on that card last year. There's some real, you look back at just the list uh, on, on Wikipedia and you're like, that happened? Yeah. Forbidden Door? QT Marshall was on Forbidden Door? <laughs> um, Which is funny to think, considering it was arguably one of the best pay-per-views last year. And, you know, like, it was, you know, for the most part, a lot of multi-man matches, like, teams you weren't really expecting. I don't think anybody thought we were going to see Sting and Darby teaming with Shingo or Stingo Takagi. I mean, like, having a match like that just kind of throws you for a loop and been like, you know what? Why not? Yeah, and that's one thing that I didn't entirely keep in mind necessarily when putting my, I don't even want to call it a projected card because I didn't try to keep this realistic. I did in a few places, I will say Mm -hmm. that. Like, I do feel like the tea leaves are pointing us in certain directions that we can perhaps foresee, but I also just put together the card that I would put together if I had the book and was able to do whatever I wanted. And yeah, like that's something that I think you and I failed to account for when we fantasy booked this last year too, is how much uh, of the fun of the evening is throwing together mixed teams uh, of baby faces from each company versus heels from each company. Um, And that's a little bit difficult for me to do right now because I'll, I'll admit 
Like this is the first year since I've been a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, that I have not watched Wrestle Kingdom, and I mm-hmm. like not just not watched it live, not watched it at all. Oh, and wow. that's a, a, a I'll try I'll catch up with that show before Eventually. the end of the year, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of indicative of my interest in New Japan at the moment. It's probably uh, at an all time low uh, since I've been you know uh, following the Japanese product at all. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, in some ways, does that make me a bad guest? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> to Not reject at all. This? Not at all, because I do think that's also the crowd that a show like this is supposed to hook, right? Like, mm-hmm. Forbidden Door is not just big for somebody who follows all of wrestling and is getting these dream matches. If you're a New Japan fan, it's supposed to be exposing you to AEW to hook you in and make you more interested in following AEW. And of course, vice versa as well. And and if you have lapsed in your fandom, perhaps it could be just the hook you need to, to be like, hey, maybe maybe New Japan has uh, gotten back to where it needs to be to be something that I want to watch on a monthly basis again, because that's where I was just a few years ago, honestly. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's not out of the question I get back there again. Well, I mean, this year they almost kind of pigeonholed them a little, pigeonhole, pigeonheld themselves a little bit with announcing that there was going to be Owen. Uh, tournament matches this year oh so, right so right off the bat you're thinking there's going to be the elimination of a few of those multi-man matches to add more singles matches because you you got to think okay there's gonna be a new japan guy and an AEW guy you know i don't nobody knows the brackets yet we don't know what to expect but i know for my little rundown i did i think i have three or four of them and you know it takes up time and then that eliminates spots for other guys so it's you know you win some, you lose some with this. But when I was going through my prediction, I really bordered between thinking what could happen and then what all, like realistically what like I would want to happen, like a match that would get me going. Like, so it's for anyone listening or watching it borders between the two. So please, you know, like hold your criticism. I was having fun with it. Uh, I did not put any uh, (laughs) Owen matches on my card (laughs) at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm way, uh, I'm, I'm stumbling out the gates here, clearly. Well, in total, I think I got 14 matches because while I was watching Dynamite last night, uh, it came to me to add one more just because I figured, why not? You know, like, you know, Takamichi Noku didn't have a match, so I had to add him in somewhere. So that was my thought process. But, um, I mean, we can get started. I mean, for myself, after Double or Nothing, the press conference with MJF and him basically calling New Japan an indie fed, I think that's what he called it. I, I left MJF off the show. I have him sitting up in a press box. They're going to show him regularly throughout the night watching this, but he's not going to have a match. So I kind of saved myself in that sense. But I know you yourself, you have him down for a match, correct? I do, yeah, and I know that he was not on the show uh, last year as well, and uh, I actually have booked him in, it. yeah, I, I didn't book any Owen Hart tournament matches because I was busy trying to stuff as many title <laughs> matches onto this show as possible, which, when you think about how many titles exist between both companies, is a lot of championships potentially to be defended uh, on this show. And I I did book an IWGP heavyweight title match uh, for Sonata as well. And yes. I, I, I tried to book these in ways where it makes sense that both of the champions would retain their titles, that they would mm-hmm. get, get the win, but that it would be 
a pretty enticing match that you would want to see anyway. So for MJF, uh, this is not my main event of Double or, okay. not, or not Double or Nothing of Forbidden Door 2, I should say, which is the Double or Nothing of Forbidden Doors, I, I believe. Is that work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I have MJF defending the AEW Heavyweight Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Wow. So you got Ace going for the uh, AEW World Heavyweight Championship. For a second year in a row, it should be noted. You know, I like that because, I mean, MJF going over, but that's a huge feather in his cap to have a victory over Tanahashi. So I like that one. Uh, Yeah. You know, I just, uh, that was my my AEW heavyweight title match. Should I reveal my... uh, IWGP heavyweight title match here as well. Give me yours and then I'll give you what I have for my IWGP championship. Okay. So like I said, similar to MJF Tanahashi, it's a match where this is very exciting. Even if we're not going to get a title change and you kind of know that just by looking at the matchup on paper, even though Tanahashi could conceivably beat MJF, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Our IWGP heavyweight title match on my fantasy forbidden door two is Sonata defending against Ricky Starks. I like that because that's a huge elevation for Ricky Starks, especially putting him more in like the, the main event picture, even if it isn't the main event, like that's a huge elevation for him. And he's really shown that he can go. I mean, his feud with Jay White currently that's elevating him to the next level. I mean, I like that a lot. Well, thank you very much. I I spent a lot of time thinking about this and (laughs) agonizing over it. Well, last year for the, I mean, the IWGP championship, they had a four-way and that was the same thought process I had going into it. So, I mean, I have Sonata there and I I figured, okay, it's going to be two and two again. So I have Sonata defending the IWGP championship against Naito, Chris Jericho, and Adam Cole. Continuing on the Jericho-Cole feud just through Forbidden Door and then we're done with it. But then I wanted someone else from... New Japan in there. Um, Sonata's, you know, currently feuding with uh, Yoda Suji, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be the Dominion main event. So I thought, what better than having him face off against Naito at Forbidden Door 2? I like that. I like that. And part of my failing in putting this whole thing together was not being able to find uh, uh, a spot for either Chris Jericho or Adam Cole. Neither of them. (laughs) Are on my Forbidden Door 2 card. And clearly there's something continuing there. Maybe it's because the match on Sunday was so enormously boring that in my head, even in my fantasy booking of what should happen, I'm just like, no, no more. Just forgetting about it. (laughs) I I don't want to see any more of that. Uh, Yeah, but um, I I do like that. And And yeah, that is probably more similar to the match style that we are going to get is putting... Uh, you know, four guys in the mix together. So there's one to eat the pin and all four yeah. look strong, right? Exactly. So, I mean, you could have Naito eat the pin. Pardon me, Jericho and Cole still look strong coming out of it. Nobody really, pardon me. Excuse me. Nobody really loses any luster coming out of that match. So, um, so that was what I had for the IWGP championship. And I tried to put as many title matches in there as I could. Um, there's some, I mean, the AW women's championship, I don't have, I do have a women's match, just Tony storm's not in the match. So, um, I will give a couple more of mine since I do have two more than you and I'll give you my Tanahashi match. Sure. So I have Hiroshi 
yeah, Tanahashi facing off with CM Punk. The match we didn't get last year, we are going to get this year. And that's going to be the focal point for those two. I like that a lot. That's very similar uh, to what I have for CM Punk, honestly, which is, uh, you know, I, like he's coming back eight days before this show basically mm-hmm. is, is confirmed to be his first return appearance. And there, this is a real tight turnaround for this pay-per-view. There's not a lot of time to build storylines necessarily because we just burned a dynamite where new Japan guys could not really appear on it because of the dominion schedule this week. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think they have like three weeks or something. And, and that is a show that's going to have a ton of eyeballs on it. So why not, if you're having CM Punk do a big return promo in Chicago, have him be interrupted by somebody to set up a marquee match coming out of that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have Tanahashi doing it to, to give us the match that we were robbed of last year. Uh, I have Kazuchika Okada doing it and setting oh. up a non-title main event for Forbidden Door 2, Okada versus Punk. You know, I I do think we could see something like that because, I mean, you got to think Okada is going to have a big match on the show. So, I mean, what better spot than having him face off with CM Punk? I mean, it's almost we might not get an elite versus Punk match, but why not have a friend of the elite face off with CM Punk? You know, he doesn't have any heat with Okada. You can put that in there. And, you know, it's a little a little nod to all the uh, the diehards out there. Hell yeah. Yeah, and and like we just talked about how there'll be like multi-man matches. I think all over this card, Okada is a guy where I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not using him in a singles capacity against you know a, a non Kenny Omega member of the AEW roster. Well, I have Okada in a multi-man match. So coming out of Dominion, I mean, we have. Um, it's Okada, I think Ishii, and I can't remember who else facing off with the Blackpool Combat Club, and I think Shota. Yes, it's yes. Shota um, with uh, Claudio and Mox taking yes. on the current Never Six Man Champions. Uh, Tanahashi, o- I believe, is in that. Yeah, name? Tanahashi, Okada, and Ishii. I think. Yeah. Okay, Correct. so I have um, the Blackpool Combat Club. I've got Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castanoli, and Shota Umino facing off against the Young Bucks, Okada, and El Fantasmo. So we're getting a continuation of the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo because I absolutely love that pairing. And we're adding Okada to the mix. Okada can come out in his old-fashioned Young Bucks gear just to play up to the crowd, and you're continuing the Okada mock feud throughout that, and still getting Blackpool Combat Club elite just to a lesser extent. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah, that. Something different. I uh, Personally, I was of the mind that uh, it's going to be Blackpool Combat Club who take the never six-man titles mm-hmm. at Dominion, uh, and I've set up a never six-man title defense for them, uh, at Forbidden Door 2 of Shota, Mox, and Claudio as champions taking on LIJ being Naito, Shingo, and Titan. Not bad. I like the addition of Titan in there because he had a good showing at um, the Best of Super Juniors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I just feel like that'd be a, a, a fun match, even though there's nothing, you know, storyline about it. And there's definitely better uses of Blackpool Combat Club, probably with what they're currently doing in AEW. But, uh, 
I, I just think that they're going to pick up those belts this weekend. And I was trying to look up and down the AW or the New Japan roster for a trio that I would put against them as champions. And this seemed like a pretty fun one. I mean, that's the thing with a show like this is, I mean, you have to build the matches for it, but then like, how do you do that without interfering with what you're currently doing for your own product? So it's trying to balance the two. And I think that's why last year we just got like, oh, this match is going to happen. And, you know, then both guys would show up and that was it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if it's going to be more of a continuation of that going forward. But I actually have Shingo in a singles match. I've got him challenging. Well, I mean, it's, might be thrown for a loop after next week's dynamite, but I have Shingo challenging orange Cassidy for the international title. Cause I feel like those two together would put on one hell of a match. Uh, I don't disagree that that would be sick. And I feel like you could even justify Shingo winning that match and being the, the dude who uh, like, finally takes advantage of all these injuries that orange has been racking up over the months and months of defending this title. Right. Uh, And then that's truly an international championship. Mm -hmm. If you put it on a guy who's not even on your roster, but is really a a big star over on the other side of the ocean, right? Have him defend the title over there. Have him come in every once in a while for a dynamite rampage, whatever collision. And then, you know, you can move the title onto someone else, but like, that would be huge. And like, it kind of gives me old like Suzuki orange Cassidy vibes that we never got during the, the COVID WrestleMania lockdown weekend. So mm-hmm. something like that would be fun. Well, speaking of that is actually the match <laughs> that I have booked for the AEW international championship, uh, a match that I booked on my fantasy card last year as well. One of two repeat matches mm-hmm. uh, on my card this year. Uh, and that is Orange Cassidy versus Minoru Suzuki for the reasons that you just said, that it is uh, the match that we were robbed of uh, during COVID, during WrestleMania weekend that uh, I believe it was supposed to be Joey Janela's spring break that year. Yeah. And I wanted to see that match then. I wanted to see that match last year. I still want to see that match right now. And Suzuki doesn't have a lot of time left. Like, I yeah. know that I was blessed to call one of his matches earlier this year against Judas Icarus at the Commodore Ballroom, which felt all the more special because of the fact this is sort of like a farewell tour for Minoru Suzuki, who seems like he is in sort of his last year of being Mm -hmm. an active wrestler, you know. Um, And before he goes out, I do want to get that match. I do think that is a very tantalizing matchup of styles and would make for a very fun match to watch as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that's my AEW international title match, Orange Cassidy versus Minoru Suzuki in a singles match. Yeah, I I actually have Suzuki not on the show because I wasn't sure how much he's still wrestling. So I was like, I'm just going to leave him off just in case. I don't want to, you know, you know, I'm fantasy booking. Can't have someone who doesn't wrestle on the show. I mean, um, <laughs> but I know you mentioned you didn't have any Owen matches. So I'm going to hit you with a couple in a row just to, uh, you know, make up for the extra one that I have. So for Owen matches, I've got Hobbs versus Ishii because that is one that I still want to see. I've got Ricky Starks facing off with Tom Lawler, who I feel like would be a nice addition for the New Japan side who's based out of the States. We don't see a lot of Tom Lawler, but he's got that name value and he's someone that can put Ricky over without losing any luster. Um, I also have Adam Page versus Jeff Cobb. 
And I think that was it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, those three. So three matches. Do I think that any of them will actually happen? Not a chance. But if I'm booking the Owen tournament, you could at least have one of the guys in one of those three matches win from the New Japan side just to kind of throw like a, you know, maybe they have a chance to go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I I like those matches that that's I'm thinking how many matches are actually going to be on this show for real. Right. I have 13 on my card. You have 15, you said 14, 14. I looked last year and it looked like there was about 13 or 14, including three preview mat or uh, three pre-show matches, which they just announced, I think the day of, cause we got like swerve in our glory versus Kanemaru. And I can't remember Hanma. Maybe I'm not too sure. It's going to be like a four hour show. I would imagine. So I think so. And they're, they're going to try to put on as many people as they want. They'll probably have way more multi-man matches than I have listed, but to try to think of like, reasoning why you know new japan guys would be teaming up with AEW guys and who they would be feuding with it was just too much for me to comprehend and i just steered as clear away as i could unless it like was spelt out for you with elite versus black bull well i i made a big uh 10 man clusterfuck match (laughs) this was the last match i put together because i was just looking at all the extra guys i had left over and this is one of the few times that i actually do uh a uh teams of baby faces from different companies teaming against teams of heels from different companies mm-hmm. uh i booked the intergalactic best friends against the house of black torture <laughs> <laughs> so intergalactic best friends that's we got the, the intergalactic jet setters kushida okay. and kevin knight along with chuck trent and Danhausen. okay okay <laughs> against <laughs> a house of black and I guess, i'm guessing evil and... and the house of torture yes oh. the house of black and the house of torture combining uh so that's black king matthews evil and yujiro see i i like that you have those guys teaming up because i put them in a match against each other <laughs> even though i i didn't want house of torture on the show but i'm like who am i going to put the house of black against like to find like a comparable trio on there i'm like it was just exhausting so i I just basically just said screw it evil's gonna be on there and uh, yudro and yo because i think yo was the one in house of torture so you can have those three let me just see malachi spin kicking everyone brody can do like the choke hanging of yo off the apron and we'll just be done with house of torture hopefully forever and give us the house of black lights just for fun yeah you know well that we could even do that with my booking too is that they as a five-man team can lose to the intergalactic best friends and then house of black will just like do the spray into the face of torture (laughs) afterwards maybe at that point it'll make the house of torture more enjoyable to watch if they throw some of the house of black lore into their thing yeah yeah uh you had you had ishii taking on hobbs as a owen match right um i have booked a a just big meaty men slapping man meat uh four-way car crash match uh for the aw uh, tnt title and that is a uh defense on the part of wardlow uh taking on luchasaurus ishii and Hiroki Goto. You know what? That is a lot of meat in that ring. Like, they would... Uh, 
that gives me like irresistible force versus a movable object vibes except like times four so uh, that would be huge i want to feel like uh like a kaiju movie basically like in the way that the best like big man multi-man matches just feel like absolute destruction remember that SummerSlam main event uh from i'm not sure what year that was 2018 maybe where it was like joe roman brock and braun i think was the match in a four-way yes that was sick like that's the kind of thing that i would love to see from these four guys you know it was funny because like i mean they're obviously still going strong with wardlow and i mean i on the Twitter timeline, I have to give huge props to Mike for thinking for kicking out that Wardlow should just adopt like pure Lex Luger vibes when he was like peak WCW, Zubaz pants, like t shirt, just di- torture racking everyone. So, I mean, you give me that match and Wardlow torture racking Luchasaurus and Ishii and Goto, I'm 100% in. And I have to mention, I love the addition of the uh, international jet setters in your. Uh, 10 man tag because with the uh, new Japan, like junior division being as deep as it is, like I found it tough booking a match for like a team like that, or like TJP and Francisco Akira, because like, yeah, I, I was almost put them on my card as well. And then I just remembered that the TJP is a bit of a crank weirdo. So I, didn't yeah. Do it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, AEW's never really defined like a junior division. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, well, how is it going to be perceived to put, you know, you know, the jet setters against, you know, a made up team of, you know, say Orange Cassidy and Darby, just for example, you know, like it could work, but is that where you'd want those guys? So I left them off, even though I love Kushida and Kevin Knight has been absolutely incredible for the past years. So the, uh, I did put a junior match on here though. So did I. Yeah, I've got a four-way because at least then you're getting you know a little bit of everything. I've got uh, Hiromu defending his title against Darby Allen, Taiji Ishimori, and Jungle Boy. Because I figure at least you're doing something with Darby and Jungle Jack. Taiji's yet to be on AEW TV, so give him a shot. And Hiromu was last year either, so. Uh, you know what, Blair? I'll be honest with you. I almost mm-hmm. booked basically the exact same match as that essentially but then i was worried that having two of the two guys who were just in the four pillars four away would make the four way feel too similar and that that's too big of a drop down to be wrestling from the actual AEW world title to the iwgp junior yeah uh, so i didn't want to have duplicate uh appearances of four pillars in my match for for the uh, junior heavyweight title, which I also booked as a four-way because those tend to be my favorite matches uh, of Wrestle Kingdom are those multi-man junior title matches every year. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's a multi-man every year, but you know what I mean. Um, so I have uh, Hiromu defending against Sammy Guevara is the, the oh. pillar that I decided to include. Uh, El Despo as a second mm-hmm. member from the New Japan roster and I was searching in my mind for someone, uh, a baby face on the AEW roster who has that slight kind of look to them, but is not Darby Allen. And my fourth and final member of this junior heavyweight title match is Hook. 
as soon as you started saying uh, i'm thinking i'm like it's going to be hook so i like that and plus it gives hook a huge opportunity he's going to get a rub from those guys because mm-hmm. he's been very protected throughout his career so far and rightfully so you don't want to throw him to the wolves but also Boom. if you're putting together a four-way match of junior heavyweights he works a completely different style than what you typically think of from a junior heavyweight. And I think that's like a magical ingredient to be adding to uh, the soup that is uh, a four-man match. Mm -hmm. I like that one, especially with the inclusion of Sammy, because, I mean, he's someone who, I mean, I think he would shine in New Japan, getting an opportunity over there. So a little bit of rub with the, you know, IWGP junior title match. I'm 100% for it. Um, I'm going to throw this one out there only because it came to me last night after the acclaimed promo, uh, talking about how they still wanted to, you know, wrestle as a three man unit, you know, doing some trios matches. Mm -hmm. And this is after I'd already written out my entire card. So trying to find a match for them was very difficult at this point to keep it, you know, like as a faction, like as a whole. So I've got the acclaimed facing off with three members of just five guys against <laughs> Tai Chi, Kanemaru, and Takamichinoko. Partially, this is because I want to see Taka on AEW TV at least once because I loved him in WWF and uh, ECW. So, I mean, give me one more on AEW just as like a, you know, a how do you do? And I'll be very content with that one. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you know what? I was just thinking, I don't have anything for the acclaimed uh, and Bill Gunn either. So I was thinking, who on the New Japan side did I not really do anything with? And it's just five guys is what I was thinking exactly there, too. So as like a undercard opening hour yeah. kind of pre-show match, I'm, I'm into that. I think that's really fun for sure. I- like when you take a look at the rosters to try to come up with a card like this, it really shows the disparity and depth between the two organizations where AEW, you could have, you could run two nights of AEW guys and matches. You Japan, you're struggling to almost fill out like one full one plus, you know, like to do a full one and a pre-show. I feel like it kind of gets a little dicey towards the end there. Like guys were, you know, you're putting them on there almost just for the sake of it, whereas not really a match you might want to see. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And that just kind of is an, a different factor in terms of how tough this is to put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even tougher based on the fact that, look, like the, it's I don't think it's going to happen to the same extent that it did last year. But there's definitely going to be injuries that will probably pop up in the next mm-hmm. three weeks again that will uh sideline some of the plans it's already happened like let's be honest if not for her injury i think it's very safe to assume that we'd be seeing mercedes money taking on Britt baker probably at this show yeah i 100 percent believe that she would have been on the show i mean it's it's a shame because i think that would be a huge draw especially for AEW to have one of her matches on the show even if she's not going to be there full time to have her on representing New Japan stardom sort of thing I mean that's going to get a lot of eyes on the product that might not normally be there before so and that basically was confirmed or all but confirmed by Tony himself Uh, he had a quote I think last week where after her injury uh, came out he basically said like only Mercedes and I know what would have been planned for mm-hmm. Forbidden Door 2, which is not to say that he 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 was asked like if he had had her lined up for it or whatever or something like that. 
and said, like, I know, she knows, no one else will ever know. Which is basically <laughs> saying, like, yes, there was a plan, you know? Yeah. It's, that makes me wonder if maybe they're going to bring her on for All In now, because if she can get, you know, healthy enough to wrestle at All In, I mean, to have that as one of your top three matches announced, whether it's her versus Tony or Britt or whomever, I mean, that is massive, especially in Wembley. Like, yeah. What a better way to debut than in Wembley Stadium for AEW. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, that's where you have your first match and maybe you do like a run in save appearance at mm-hmm. Forbidden Door, even if you're not healthy enough to work it, right? Um, yeah, just to tease it. Exactly. Okay. Now, I'm going to, I feel there's two matches that we probably have very similar outlooks for. So I'm going to hit you with it. What do you have for Kenny Omega? Uh, well, that uh, you, you only need to look as far as what's going on at Dominion this weekend, where there is a number one contender match for the IWGP United States Championship. And I have no reason to believe that that match would not happen at Forbidden Door 2, right? Mm-hmm. The contenders in that match are Lance Archer versus Will Ospreay. It's a tournament final. And there's no way that you're going to set up Lance Archer versus Kenny Omega for one of the biggest shows of the year. We're getting Osprey versus Omega 2 this time in North America. And I use that as kind of the impetus for not a show wide necessarily, but a two match pairing uh, feud basically for this show, pitting the elite against United Empire. Uh, so not only do I have Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Championship, I have the elite trio of Hangman. And the Young Bucks taking on United Empire, and that's Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, and Aaron Hanare. Yeah, I feel with the booking for Dominion and having Archer and Osprey in a match like that, and saying the winner gets a shot at Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door 2, you're not going to be promoting it as Lance Archer winning that match, because that is not what's going to put eyes on there. Osprey Omega, after the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom, having that again in AEW, on North American soil, that is huge. And part of my idea for this, like, I, <laughs> this is why I was going to save this match for last, but it's fine. I'll <laughs> reveal this now. Part of my grand booking uh, design, and maybe this is too New York brained of me, but there are obviously way more members of the United Empire than there are of the four elite, right? Because you can mm-hmm. also throw in uh, TJP and Francesco Akira, and of course, Aussie Open as well. Um, and and you could you could do essentially a big stable beatdown angle where the elite are outmanned, outgunned. Uh, they're getting just their asses handed to them by Aussie Open, and finally, who comes out to to make the save to kick down that forbidden door and finally unite with Kenny Omega inside a North American ring? Uh, none other than Kota Ibushi, because I do feel like. Even that, like that, what I just said about Mercedes and what we were teasing for perhaps setting up something at all in, uh, I would rather use that sort of angle with a Kota Ibushi, mm-hmm. who I do feel like, even though he's not in New Japan anymore, like the, the Forbidden Door concept was kind of always in my mind to set up Kenny and Kota working together again, right? Like mm-hmm. that was kind of the tantalizing tease of it before that relationship fell apart. Uh, with with Coda and, and New Japan, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I I would love it for him to make his debut on this show in a storyline capacity, uh, and I do feel like you know you're you're doing that same storyline essentially in AEW with Blackpool Combat Club 
uh, and Takeshita, right? Like, yeah. that's exactly what you're doing there anyway. You may as well form them and then as a five, some pit them against. But maybe you want to save that reveal for a, a BCC Takeshita segment instead. I don't know. Well, it's funny because leading up to double or nothing, like that's the th- kind of pathway I thought they were doing. I thought they were going to do the Takeshita turn before double or nothing. Same. Having him side with BCC to think it was going to be five on four heading into Anarchy Marina. And who saves the day? Kota Bushi. Yeah. But like, this- I, I loved the show on Sunday, but part of it was like, this was so telegraphed and has been so telegraphed for so long that, like, mm-hmm. I'm already on the next step while you're giving me this, basically. Yeah. Uh, like, I, they've already kind of teased it with, you know, the Kenny's post uh, uh, pay-per-view promo to the crowd talked about how he was, you know, had some friends that from outside AW who wanted to bring in. And then even last night saying that he's not in the country and that he wasn't in Canada. Well, I mean, obvious signs point to Japan, you know, mm-hmm. unless he's down in Mexico, you know, recruiting someone, which I find highly unlikely, but you never know. So, like, I personally think it would still be exciting to bring him in and have him be the equalizer for, like, a really one-night feud mm-hmm. against United Empire and then have that be a unit that you can now turn and pit against uh, BCC and Takeshita. Oh, for sure. It's a, a great way to almost, like, introduce him, you know, kind of align him with the elite, even though, I mean, for all the diehards and hardcores, they already know. But then, you know, you bring him in, he's part of it, you carry on with that, you go full bore. And it would be a milestone storyline moment for a show that, you know, kind of exists out of continuity. Not not entirely. Like, they do, they are weaving together the storylines of both companies to do this show. Mm-hmm. But at the same li- time, it's like the main focus of AEW storylines are pe- ge- gearing towards all in and all out being one week apart, basically. That's the focus of everything that's happening in that company. Like we're not going to get anything big AW wise no. storyline wise for forbidden door. It's kind of just like a fantasy match fun night, you know? Well, after they announced all in and I'm, I apologize for going too off kilter here, but like after they announced all in, I was trying to think like, how are you going to book that? Cause you already have forbidden door where it's new Japan, AEW, And then my thought process, which is, you know, like for, for a show, like all in, I thought it should be very similar to the original All In, where you have the best wrestlers not in WWE wrestling on the show. So you're taking, you know, the top from Stardom, top from Impact, top from the Indies, top from New Japan. You're going all out, no pun intended, to have the best show that you can with everyone not in New York. Mm-hmm. so uh, then that's where i'm kind of thinking like well is that where you would have osprey omega at wembley or do you do it at forbidden door too and trying to bounce back and forth well i'm not going to have lance archer win on dominion and have that at forbidden door just to save osprey and omega at wembley so yeah it's it's one of those things where like the mind starts rolling because after you all in you have all out a week later and how are you going to balance two massive shows like that with storyline matches etc well, they're going to have uh, an additional two hours of television all summer to build up a com- an entirely Thanks, other yeah. pay-per-view, right? So that's, that's a real curiosity, too, I think, is how these rosters that you're keeping separate for interpersonal drama reasons are going to coexist on these nights where everyone comes together and is part of the same pay-per-view, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
uh, that's something to to look forward to with AEW. I think over the next uh, little while here for sure. Even with the separate rosters, I think people make too big of a deal saying it's like a brand split. Where to me, it's just like you're going to have guys that can be on either show. It might not just be continuous. Like, oh, the elite are on Dynamite. Well, obviously they're not going to be on this week's Collision. You know, oh, you have CM Punk on dynamite okay well you, you put the lead on collision you can still run the same storylines it doesn't have to be just like a hard split down the middle uh, the yeah i'm so fixated on that at the same time though you look at the list of people that they announced would be <laughs> for the show and it's like i wouldn't say like garbage island but like the uh like the island of broken toys is not I, island of misfit toys yeah yeah exactly yeah. like that's that that's the whole like, <laughs> save for one or two. They had to throw a few extra names in there just to be like, these people are normal and fine, but they're going to be on this show. The rest of the people, yeah, everyone has extreme heat with them. Yeah, look, hey, I'll watch Collision if you're going to have QTV segments on there because, I mean, I love Aaron Solo, so <laughs> sign me up for that. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, I mentioned I had one women's match on here. And I I wish that I could do, you know, new champ Tony Storm on there, but I didn't want to have her just against someone from the AEW roster. So I started thinking, like, how could you work this to have a New Japan wrestler facing off an AEW wrestler? So I have Riho challenging for the New Japan Women's Strong Championship against Willow Nightingale. Both faces, but you know what? I bet you that would just be an incredible work rate match between the two because the crowd loves both of them. And you can pull on a history of partnering together on babyface multi-woman teams in AEW. Like it's not mm-hmm. like they don't have uh, a history together. You could build something interesting out of that in a, in a three-week time span for sure. I think. Like it's something that I think could be a fun thing, and it gives Willow like an opportunity because like she has been so consistent and so incredible for her run so far. But it hasn't really gotten the pay-per-view matches, haven't gotten the opportunities. But after her um, her little run at the uh, New Japan pay-per-view, the one in California not too long ago, I mean, she was over there, had some great matches. Give her a shot on this show, and I can guarantee you she will not disappoint. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that for sure. Like, she, she was uh, a champion for a reason. That that mm-hmm. The matches that she had in the very early going of the company – extremely thrilling the win over nyla incredible right like mm-hmm. um yeah I, i'd be into that for sure i also have one women's match booked for this Ooh, what do you got? a multi-woman match uh 3v3 six woman tag and, and that's because i think they're gonna save a lot of the tantalizing singles matches for all in like i think if you're going to london you want to do you know uh let's run back Hater versus Tony Storm, and let's give yeah. uh, Soraya a pretty massive singles match as well. So I think we're going to get Chris Statlander versus Soraya at all in too. Oh, um, nice. But uh, I'm going to put both of them on this show because I'm uh, putting the Outcasts against Britt Baker and Jamie Hater and Willow Nightingale as their wow. third partner. I like that because they've teased it enough leading up to it that you were expecting a multi multi. Uh, woman match but we never really got it you know we just we seen tag team matches throughout so I like the addition of that it, even like with the the storyline before it, you were almost wondering if it was leading to a possible like blood and guts match which would be you know a first for the company but I mean I don't think we'll ever get that 
but and I, mean, I, I think I, I think that's also where we're going between the five v five elite versus BCC, right? Like, yeah, blood and guts has to be the next step for that, and I think you can probably stretch that all the way to all out even without running that yeah. match. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I look forward to Kota Ibushi doing a moonsault off the top of the cage. So, because <laughs> yeah. you know it'll happen. Um, okay, so I got a few more. Uh, two more. I have two more as well. Okay. So, this is the other one that I feel we have a very similar uh, pairing for. Brian Danielson, what do you have scheduled for him? Well, I told you I had two repeat matches that I booked for last year's show that I booked again for this one because we didn't get them last year. And it's an NJPW World TV title match. Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Brian Danielson. That's exactly what I have. The TV title matches, are they a 15-minute time limit in New Japan? I think so. I, I believe, yeah. Like... I would run that and have it go to a 15 minute draw and yeah. just to build up to the next one. Yeah. Just I mean, a little teaser. I know that uh, like Danielson is clearly saving up his bump card for a G1 run this year. Mm-hmm. And that is when my interest in new Japan will kick up huge uh, again. I feel like is when there's a bunch of uh, tantalizing AEW talent in the G1 again this year. Um, like he, he didn't do a whole lot bump wise in anarchy in the arena and i think that was by design like there's yeah there's a possibility that he is not on this show in a wrestling capacity like he could just be like a ringside for the six man never title right like Mm -hmm. in support or whatever i i don't think i think that they'd be silly not to use him in a singles match here and they'd be silly not to try and run the same match that they tried to run last year which is the same match that you and i both had on our cards last year Mm -hmm. uh long before it was announced because it is the match that everyone wants to see it has happened before but we want to see it again with the modern context of both these guys and uh yeah i would definitely uh run that to a draw for sure and i don't think anyone would be dissatisfied at all run it to a draw and you then you do a rematch at wembley and i mean exactly exactly here we go we got it we just perfect a whole summer there you go like tony Give us a call. <laughs> um, this, that's uh, exactly what I had. Originally, I had Zack Sabre Jr. and Orange Cassidy in a match because I thought it would be like a fun pairing between the two. But I didn't want to have either guy lose to the other yet because, I mean, they're both champions. It just it didn't seem right. So I, that's why I swapped it out. But um, For my last match, I have FTR defending the AEW World Tag Team Championships. They're going to be facing off with uh, the great Okan and Aaron Hanare, who are going to win the titles at Dominion this weekend. And Bullet Club Black and Gold, Juice Robinson and Jay White, because I'm all aboard the Bang Bang Gang. So it's incredible. All right. Well, that's a that's a nice segue into my final match here as well. I do not have a tag title defense uh, for either company. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's a failing of my booking. So I will fall on my sword over that one for sure. <laughs> uh, but I do have one final six person tag match <laughs> to cram as many people onto this card as possible. And it is to uh, add another body officially into uh, Bullet Club Gold while showing a clear divide 
between the bullet clubs on each continent. I'm doing Jay White, Juice, and El Phantasmo against Kenta, Finley, and Taiji Ishimori. I, I like that. You know, I because I, I I fully believe El Phantasmo is you know days or weeks away from being a part of the AEW roster on a more consistent basis. They they kind of teased it even last night. You know, with the Ricky Starks FTR bullet club black gold thing mm-hmm. i think el phantasmo gets brought in and i think it'd be a huge addition to aew i love lp so sign me up for that and i mean to be able to have kenta on the show and david finley and the such 100 i when kenta first made his debut you know back in 2021 i think it was maybe 2022 whenever a couple years back during the pandemic shows i mean i was all for that it was that was like almost the gateway to where we are now so to have him come back sign me up for it and and honestly the way el phantasmo has been doing uh indie bookings in the vancouver area of late would not surprise me at all if he's just trying to uh kind of wrap up the targets on his list before he signed to a more um uh, restrictive, let's say, North American contract because uh, I was fortunate to catch him at Boom Pro Wrestling mm-hmm. at the Legion a couple weeks ago, he, where he was the the mystery partner in the main event, tagging with Malik Mello and Brady Malibu as the third member of the Entourage against the Time Bandits team of uh, Abraham Lincoln, Shaolin Funk, and Parm Singh Man. So, like, great, obviously, to see LP show up at what is like a very comedically inclined kind of uh, uh, Chikara style indie in, Va- mm-hmm. in the Vancouver wrestling scene um, where it was probably just a one night a- appearance, but like he got to have a blast working this extremely silly main event match. And, and then the very next night he was on the Island working for VIPW, which is yeah. another one of the more smaller scale uh, indies here in BC. So, uh, you know, entirely possible that he's just looking at some openings in his schedule and being like, you know what, I would like to work for that company for one night before mm-hmm. I can't really do that anymore. Uh, I saw like the pictures you had thrown thrown up on Twitter from the Boom Show, and the fact that there's a prawn Cena, I love that. Like, that was one. That was one night only, I, I think, because the name of the show was Oh Snap. It's uh, Spot Prawn Season. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, we have we yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was Izzy McQueen, who for one night only got to be Prawn Cena. Oh. Uh, and the way that she had to enter and exit the ring was so friggin' funny because the costume could not go through the ropes. She had to lay flat on the mat and roll out. <laughs> That's gold. I love it. As soon as I saw Prawn Cena, I, I, I marked out for that one. So. It was a great show. Great show. Boom is um, honestly so fun. If you're if you're in the Vancouver area and you're listening to this, uh, they only have one show left. It's already sold out for the season, but they'll be back in September. And I, even though I work for Nation Extreme Wrestling, uh, which you should check out also, definitely, uh, I do endorse Boom Pro Wrestling. It's always such a good time. Well, I mean, uh, Nation Extreme Wrestling has an upcoming show as well, too, correct? Yeah, Definitely we're going to be at the Pearl Nightclub on Granville Street, right across from the Commodore. Uh, formerly Venue, I believe, was the name of it. It's kind of like yeah. this split-level uh, concert uh, spot where there's going to be seating on multiple levels. Uh, and I think we're putting seating on the stage as well and putting the ring in the center of the of the uh, 
what would be the pit for a concert, I guess. So it uh, should be interesting. We've never ran this building before. I'm, I'm curious to check it out. But there's some major talents being brought in mm-hmm. for this one. Uh, Jonathan Gresham is going to be on this card. I'm not sure exactly who he will be taking on. Uh, Jody Threat is being brought in for this one. Shazam McKenzie. It's um, a, a pretty tall list. Gigi Ray, I know, is coming back. And she yes. made quite uh, an impression in her first appearance back in October in a triple threat match against Vert Vixen and Bambi Hall. Bambi Hall, by the way, just on a tear lately. Uh, mm-hmm. She's been so great. Um, yeah, just another person who you should be following of late and all the exciting work that they've been doing. When is that show? Is that beginning of July? July 8th, yes. Okay. Tickets actually went on sale this morning as we record this, so uh, they are available as you are listening to it. And uh, if you're in Vancouver, would love to see you out. It's, it's always a great time. Uh, the show that we put on at Cinco de Mayo uh, recently at the Commodore Ballroom, the last two shows at the Commodore have been terrific. But even when we're not there, uh, we were on Granville Island at the Performance Works um, back in, I think, February, possibly. And that was uh, just a great show as well. Like, the crowds are super hot and the, the matches have been great. The talent is, is just abundant in this area of the world and only growing and growing by the day. There are so many guys who are coming out of the Lionsgate Dojo right now who mm-hmm. are so young and so hungry and so driven and so unbelievably athletic. Casey Ferreira is a guy I will give a huge shout out to. You'll probably be talking to him on the show at some point in the foreseeable future, Blair. I hope so. I don't know if you've seen him in the ring yet, but he is just magical. The athleticism mm-hmm. of him, uh, like a, a wonder to behold. And the fact that he's just starting out and you're like, he was incredible right from the very first matches. I saw him wrestling in the Lionsgate Dojo for one of their student shows, like before yeah. he'd even graduated to the scene. And just the immense talent there was uh obviously cleared from the jump there's just so much to be excited about in local wrestling here uh in vancouver at the moment and uh you know we do have some boys out there like kyle o'reilly and el Fantasmo and so on etc still making us proud in the big leagues but there's a lot of talent that i think will be joining them there when mm-hmm. it's all said and done as well i mean to piggyback off that i mean you mentioned gg ray and Chaz mckenzie and they will actually be facing off against each other at love pro love pro wrestling june 30th in edmonton so i mean that's huge then they'll be making their way over to vancouver like a week later so definitely check them out whether you're in alberta bc because i mean these two are incredible wrestlers do not miss out on that and a lot of that talented bc uh wrestlers that i'm talking about of course like your travis williams your sebastian Mm -hmm. wolves so on etc they're they're popping up in love pro wrestling as well so lots of places to see these guys as uh they are in high demand for good reason yeah. So now for those listening, where can they find you up on social media and all of that stuff? Anything you'd like to plug away? Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, uh, I guess, and Instagram, because I'll probably be on that platform longer than Twitter at this rate. Uh, <laughs> at Justin Morris, that's uh, M-O-R-I-S, one R, one S. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. You can uh, listen to my movies podcast if you're so inclined. I have a large physical media library and so do a number of my friends and we own movies that we haven't actually watched, which I think is more common with books that you own books you haven't read. Anyways, mm-hmm. the, the project of the podcast is that we are uh, collectively retaking ownership of the things we own that have come to own us watching the movies we bought and forgot. It's called ADHD DVD. Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcast, myself and my friend Haley Lear. It is a treat uh, as well. And if you like movies, maybe you'll, you'll enjoy checking it out. 
Perfect. I mean, I know myself, I have a few that are still wrapped up. One day I'll get to them. You know, maybe yeah. I'll eventually watch Battle Royal or Blade Runner. I maybe know, maybe but... we'll have to have you on the podcast, Blair, and we can watch one of those movies together. Sounds good. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And of course, uh, you can find me on the Nation Extreme Wrestling YouTube page if you want to watch all of these talented uh, performers that we've been talking about. Your Travis Williams, your Judas Icaruses, your Evan Rivers, your your Elliot Tyler's, your Mr. Ferguson's. The list goes on and on. Your Reloaded's. Yeah, I I feel like I'm going to get in trouble from the people who I don't list right now. <laughs> your Nicole Matthews, your Artemis Spencers, your your uh, Tony Baroni's, so on, etc. Your Billy Swades. Um, they're all up there. Uh, myself and Jordan Bowman on the call for all of those shows. And it's so much fun to do. It is uh, something that I look forward to every single time. And and just some of the talent that I've been blessed to call. I mentioned the, the Minoru Suzuki match earlier. <laughs> Got Jonathan Gresham coming up uh, next month. Evil Uno was uh, our big fly-in for the Cinco de Mayo show last month at the Commodore as well. So uh, some real talent on there, both locally and internationally as well. And do check it out. Uh, just look up Nation Extreme Wrestling on YouTube. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to Justin, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GreymakerPod, email GreymakerPodcast at gmail.com, all the other social medias, Facebook, Instagram, etc., Graymaker Wrestling Podcast, all podcast streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that stuff. And you can find me doing streaming up on Love Wrestling. Every Saturday, myself and my good friend Plugo are doing four exposure as we take a look at the independent wrestling scene. So you can find us up on the Love Wrestling YouTube page. And I'm always doing the brunch gimmick. Definitely check that out. Lots of great content up on Love Wrestling. Subscribe to their socials and don't miss out on anything. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.